1: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey Time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Gianotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeal's lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. The top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, at MG Mark, good day, sir. It's wonderful. Sports have already started back up again today. About to get first well, pitch, right? Well, not quite. Right? You know, about you, to you, first pitch. We got, the, we got the, the opening, the scene setting. And if you were worried about Ray's attendance yesterday...
1: It's you worse today. Be, you should still be worried. Today.
0: <laughs> we said we might be. We might have a new record today. We set we set the record for lowest attended playoff game ever, or lowest attendance in like a hundred years yesterday at the Rangers Rays, and uh, perhaps we will set another record. You know today what the in, antidote, St. Pete. You know what the antidote for attendance problems is not getting blanked at home. I'm sure that I'm sure the city of St. Petersburg's feeling really good about their investment in that new uh, stadium at, uh, right about now. Yeah, but we have to we actually as a community should lock arms and support it mm. because that was a don't let them go to Nashville move. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. In solidarity. Well, for me, like it's not even like a Memphis versus Nashville thing. I just don't want to lose Cardinal broadga- broadcasts. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's weird, you know, like you I can I doubt we're going to get 3. So we know yeah, we're going to always get, get Braves, Braves. and well, Nashville got a team yeah. because we're also like a weirdly like a secondary Cincinnati market.
1: Hmm.
0: That is that is strange, but it's it's the most wonderful time of the year because there's meaningful sports on every single night of the week. 50 straight days of football begins today. Really? Yes. Begins to, who plays tonight? We got, we got some CUSA action, oh, baby. Really? KUSA's got, oh, CUSA's kind of trying yeah. to move into the MACs territory here? Well, the MAC doesn't take over Tuesdays and Wednesdays until November. Okay. They're willing to give up October to CUSA? To so is it – I believe it's Jacksonville State, MTSU. Oh, that's right, yeah. The fact that that is a CUSA game is – it's that bes, I, it's weird to say this. besmirches is the, the good name of what CUSA used to be. Yeah, but I don't even know what the good name of Cusa means anymore. <laughs> uh, like I, I'm now at the point where I'm really worried about the American. They let the Cusa in. Yeah, they got a little too much CUSA on them. Got too you know what I mean? And that's like a you know, that's like when the flu starts going around, baby. You can't just get rid of it. Oh, yeah, you can't. I mean, everybody gets it. <laughs> well, but then eventually it goes away. In your theory, you're you're actually no, no, prescribing no, 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 this, to what what Mike Aresco would sell you is that, yeah, maybe you know maybe they need a little investment, but we're you know they're gonna do what uh, what what Tulane did, invest more, and now they got a pretty good sports program. Right. What's the difference between Tulane and those other schools? Two, two lanes got some money billions with be? <laughs> yeah, if they want to get committed to it. They had the wherewithal more, Correct. more of a wherewithal. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in football with the group of five bid, as well as this conference season in basketball come selection Sunday. How is the new American viewed? Um, And that will play well into some subjects Mm -hmm. we want to get into because it's Wednesday. We're going to play some buy-sell. Sure to go to Reddit to start. Um, We've also got David Cobb joining us at 240 or so from CBSSports.com. We'll talk college football with him. Uh, We'll get into the list next hour. James Harden has reported to uh, 70. He's been pictured at 76ers practice, Jeffrey. Um, Him and John Morant in the last 24 hours photographed at their respective teams' practices. Um, we've also got some new NCA legislation mm, good uh, thing. to get hey, into. Lord knows we needed that. And uh, the Lakers and Nuggets uh, are in a feud ah. all of a sudden. Um, or maybe not all of a sudden, but it, it I, th- I didn't know it was a feud, and now it appears to be a feud. Well, you're forgetting that they played one of the most competitive sweeps <laughs> in the history of the NBA. And then uh, maybe we'll wrap things up with uh, – some NFL or talk a little student madness because it's a it's a, a big night for Memphis basketball. What, what would you describe this night as for Memphis basketball? I think it's a big night for students. Yeah, they're having student madness down at the Elmarone Fieldhouse. It's sold out, um, and uh, they're going the students are gonna meet the uh, men's and women's basketball teams. I'm gonna go down there and write about it, but uh, we'll dive into it here in a second. Let's play some buy sell short or go to Reddit.
1: It's that time on 929's Giannato and Jeffrey show where we either buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, let's start. Let's
0: start Tiger Basketball since we were just talking about it. That makes sense? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So student madness tonight. We also, um, I believe John Martin was talking about this earlier. Um we got some we got our first uh, first legitimate odds for winning the AAC in basketball. Is that correct? the first the first that i've seen for conference championship odds okay um i think he said caesar's i believe yeah but in those odds fau is the favorite to win the american in basketball okay not the odds on favorite not the odds on but favorite but the betting favorite yes i think i said that right um <laughs> they have the best odds of anyone but they're not they're not a vegas like they're not an odds on favorite they're not negative money okay so buy, sell, sure, go to Reddit, Jeffrey. FAU should be the favorite to win the AAC in basketball this year. Ooh, should be. I think that's a different question than Th- what I than had in what, mind. What was what was what you had in mind? FAU will win the league. Because I was, okay, because here's the thing. I, I guess I'll, I'll play it out. I'll sell it. Okay. I understand why they're the favorite. I would make Memphis the favorite. I still think, uh, along the same lines of what we started the show with, the AAC is getting a little too much CUSA stink in it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need to see a little more from FAU. Well, and to your point, it appears to me that, well, no, yeah, and they, it's funny, in the national championship odds, it's about, it's funny, they're about the, about same, the same. Yeah, about the same uh, Florida Atlantic I have not, I will say this, I have not diagnosed I've not compared schedules. I know they obviously play each other twice, but I haven't looked in to see who would have the easier. Does Ken Palm already have the projections for this year up? I don't believe so. Um, but Florida Atlantic's uh, basketball schedule, um, I know they beefed up their non-conference schedule a bit because they got you know because they got all these guys as best they could at least. Um, so uh, I'm also gonna sell this. I mean, ultimately, Memphis should have beaten Florida Atlantic last year. Yeah, I, I agree. know. Now, at the same time, you could argue <laughs> that was a totally different Memphis team. Uh, like, didn't and whereas the Florida Atlantic team is basically the same team. Um, but I guess though, to your point though, that team had like I'm making the assumption that DeAndre's not going to play. Yes. And if you get him, like, I'm making the assumption he's not going to be a part of the team, and if you get him, awesome. Like, recalibrate then. Uh Even though last year's team probably had the two best players, Mm -hmm. if you were comparing the rosters, like, if you were just doing a a draft of last year's roster versus this year's roster, Mm -hmm. the first two guys selected, would you agree, would be Kendrick and DeAndre? Yes. After that, though, I think you can make an argument the next, what, like, 10 guys might be? I mean, like, certainly the rest of the starting five this year yes. would come next, right? For yes. Memphis Quinterly, David Jones, um, Jaquan Walton, uh, Jordan Brown, and then whoever that, I mean, who's the fifth, who's the next guy, and maybe Malcolm. Yeah, but he's on both. So yeah, so maybe like that's the. But I'd rather have Malcolm this year than Malcolm last year. <laughs> um, by the way, looking at the FAU schedule, it looks kind of it looks pretty similar to Memphis's in league play. Like they don't play at Temple. It looks like. I mean, I would have predicted that it'd been fairly balanced if you're trying yeah. to if, you're, if you if you if they are billing those two teams to be there, and then you can see like you know there's I don't think their non is as good as Memphis's, but they play Illinois. Uh, they play Loyola Chicago, they play Butler, they play Liberty, they play Arizona. Um, so in like certain, I think some of these are neutral site games. Um, but they have a decent non-conference schedule too. Um, Florida Atlantic, but I, I think Memphis should be the favorite. They've got like, I mean, I, I I think especially cut like where Memphis I think is going to have some issues is early on as they figure each other out, you know, in these especially because they're gonna have so many high leverage games at first with this non conference schedule. There's gonna I think there's just gonna be some natural bumps in the road because there's so many new guys and you're playing such a tough schedule. But my prediction would be this team's gonna be rolling once it gets to conference play and it will roll through conference play. And yes, those Florida Atlantic games will be huge. I'm not discounting Florida Atlantic, but I just suspect this team's going to rack up a pretty gaudy conference record. That's my expectation. And but that they might take some licks in non-conference play just because they got to figure some things out through some tough games, quite frankly. Yeah, and obviously that kind of rolls into my assumption with no DeAndre. Like I think if DeAndre is playing One, early, I, th- I think that gives you the. I will say this though: now this has reached a point where, like, part of the allure of DeAndre Williams is that he kind of, like I, when you think about what he the benefit is. Yes, I think maybe he's the be- he might be he could be the best player on the team, but I also think like as his he was the guy when we talk about man, this team might take some bumps early just because they've got a lot of new guys who have to figure out how to play together. Like, that, he felt like he could have been sort of a glue piece because he'd been here, because, you know, he was like a natural, like, you have to figure out who the leader is. Well, there's not really a need to figure out the leader if DeAndre's on the team. Well, now this has reached a point where he's missed so much practice with this team. Yeah, Like, it's going to be harder to assume that role. I care way less about that for a guy. Like, if... Because... He has played for Penny, so, like, he's going to know. Like, I feel like he is a plug-and-play guy. Oh, yeah. No, I think in terms of on the court, but I just think in terms of being a leader for this team, the longer he is missing practice and not around the guys, if he's actually going to get eligible, like, it's going to be harder. Um, because they got, you know, like, right now, it feels to me they're operating under the assumption they're not getting him, like, the way they're perceived. Yeah, I would right agree now. so, yeah. Um, and, like... Better to be pleasantly surprised than caught off guard when he's not – he doesn't win this appeal or whatever it is. Um, And so, you know, but I think they're fine either way. I think they're – especially within this conversation, like who's going to win the AAC. I I think without DeAndre Williams, I think they've got the best roster in the league. I was trying to compare Florida Atlantic in last year to the previous year. What was the big addition because I know I know Martin played for both. So John L Davis was an add. Yeah, he was the he was like a transfer they added, right? Correct, I so. And then cuz Golden was on both, Greenlee was on both. Like essentially their best player, you know. But I mean basically the difference between 19 and 15 Florida Atlantic and Thirty-five and four, Florida Atlantic made the final four. Mm-hmm. It's Davis. Yeah, it's Davis. And then <clears throat> I think that Golden, the big guy, made a jump between. He was a freshman in twenty. You know, in twenty, I think he made it. If you look at his numbers or his impact, I should say, um, he was much. He was much better as a sophomore. So as a freshman. He got forty six percent of minutes. His offensive rating was one hundred eight point seven. Um and then like the next year he was one hundred seventeen point three. His you know, he was a nationally ranked as a He an moved offensive up to fifty three percent of minutes. His offensive rating went up. And then in the if you go watch the tournament, he was very good too. Um but But there's really not No, you're right. He he the 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 Key addition is Jan- John L. Davis, and, and I don't want. Or, this excuse th- me, not a uh, no. He, John L. Davis was on the team before, by the way. Who are you talking about that they added? No, on twenty the twenty two roster. Yeah, he was on that team. Oh, he then he took a massive leap. Yeah, 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 no, he went down from yes. So that was the key difference. Yeah. I, I know everyone in Boca is listening right now. Oh, excuse <laughs> me, every,
1: Boca. No, Bo, yeah, yeah, Boca. yeah, they're
0: not at the, they're not at the race game. Making sure, just doing to make sure they weren't at the Rays game. <laughs> no, they're gonna they're they're wa- they're waiting for tonight's Marlins that, uh, Phillies game. That's a good all point. All those big Marlins fans yes. in Boca. Um, did you see Marlins man was at the Brewers game? Because <laughs> he did the math wrong. He thought that he thought the Marlins would play at the Brewers. Oh God! So Mar- and, didn't, and he still went to the game Correct. even well, once he, really he already it. paid for it at that <laughs> point. You know, Marlins man's got to be seen. <sighs> that was all. Yeah. Au- that was outstanding to see. It's like, oh my God! As Marlins man is at the Brewers game as the Marlins are playing. Oh, God. In Philly. That was good stuff. I'm still not convinced that that team last year just didn't get in fuego. The whole year, though? I mean, they only lost three games the whole regular season, too. Now, they had a much easier schedule. Like, they beat. up. I still can't get out of my mind. That team lost to Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, and they lost to UAB on the road, and they lost MTSU on the road. Those were their three losses in the regular season. They're going to get challenged a lot more this year. My prediction is, we were talking about this a second ago at the open, like uh, about how the AAC is going to get judged. My gut tells me both these teams are going to take a few more licks in non-conference play than some want them to. You know, if that makes sense. Sure. And I bet you the champion of the AAC is no better than like a six seed. In the tournament, that would be my. Oh, predict. I, I'd set the over under. I think I would set the over under at eight. You think a eight would be the over under? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the league is going to get. I beat, mean, I guess uh, if you want different, May, maybe, 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 maybe if you wanted to say six and a half. In you the got, event you gotta hope UAB and Tulane bring it this year, like are like fringe tournament teams that would, and Wichita State too. Like those are the kind of the three chief candidates, I would say. How good would you feel about the buy sell short or go to Reddit? Mm-hmm. The AAC will get multiple bids. I'll buy that. I think I think Florida Atlantic is good enough to make the tournament. I think they're going to run through conference play too, because I think they're. I, I do think recency bias will help too. Yeah. Now, again, they're like I said, last year they played Ole Miss on the road, Florida on the road, and like that's about it was their for their non conference slate. I just read, you know, this year they're playing, you know, Liberty, which is like a good, really good not, you know, mid major team. Illinois, Arizona, um Butler, Loyola Chicago. It's a much tougher schedule for them. So I think they'll drop some games because of that. And then you know, I mean, I think the AAC is tougher, even even in its diminished state. I still think it's a tough, especially in basketball. It's going to be a tougher league overall than Conference USA was last year because they did get. Well, they, yeah, just because you're adding, you're they got at, the good CUSA teams in basketball. Yeah, some of them. Well, but you're also you're adding to you're adding Memphis, mm-hmm. Wichita State's expected yeah. to be better. Yeah, I still don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with the rest of the league. Okay, I've got two. A combo buy-sell-short-or-go-to-reddit about professional sports here. Okay. Okay? So two different answers here. Okay, one, buy-sell-short-or-go-to-reddit, you're invested in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Two, in combination with that, buy-sell-short-or-go-to-reddit, it's too early for the NBA to be starting. Okay, let's take them separately. Mm -hmm. Buy-sell-short-or-go-to-reddit, invested in the NBA. In the MLB playoffs. Both emotionally and or, and or financially. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm more talking emotionally. Yeah. Betting baseball in the playoffs is... <laughs> Gross. It. I mean, I don't even... I You know what I mean? Like, you never even know what to do. Because it's not like... You're usually getting a run line, and it's juiced one way or the other. And so, like, it, that's just disastrous. I'm going to buy this. Okay. I'm buying it small right now. But once the Astros get back in... That's when I'll crank it up. Mm, okay. Again, it's 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 a little weird. We don't have the Dodgers playing well, right now. Well, I mean, more importantly, it's a little weird for me. Like, no, no card. This is usually regular season for me. And no Braves right Correct. now. Like the 162 game preseason. Now, now I don't really have that. I will say, I think the problem is in baseball. I don't know a lot of the big pitchers Mm. Like, like that was kind of the other thing I was I was realizing do you realize after after Garrett Cole presumably gets to 200 it could be years before we see like another 200 game winner because of the way, like last night, take a And it instance, felt like for a while there, we were having like once every five years, we were getting a 300-game winner. Well, I mean, like it used to be like Musina got held back because he was only what, like a 220-game yeah, winner or something, something like, like that. that yeah. And it's like, Wayne, we get Wainwright's 200th, uh, 200th la- whatever, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week ago, I can't even remember. And it's like Garrett Cole could be next in a couple of years. And then after that, like. The odds of someone getting to 200 games is highly unlikely. Yeah, well, you've got— I mean, Verlander's already there. Verlander like, and Scherzer right. and Granke are already there. Correct. Kershaw's already there. Right. And Wainwright. Um, Wainwright's tired now. Huh? Yeah, but he's there. He got right to 200. Yes. Um, well, he's pitching with a torn labrum. Did you see that? Yeah. How much How much All was in that shoulder this year? <laughs> um, Chris Sale is at 120. I don't think he's going to get there. Um, yeah, uh, no, Johnny Cueto at 144. Nope. quite still pitching? Yeah, I don't think so. Is Madison Bumgarner still pitching? Uh, remember he got cut this year. Remember that was like, yeah. that was from the early season drama. Was he at the D-backs, I think? Yeah, wow. It's, it's, it's bad. Aaron Nola is at 90 career wins right now, and he's 30. Kind yeah, of, no no way. Yeah. Uh you know, and Zach Wheeler, his teammate eighty seven. Yeah, there's it's, it's it's so it's like the way that the game Jose Barrios at eighty three the game has completely changed. Playoff baseball is just electric though. Yes. There's no there's no feeling Well you saw it yesterday. You had you got the twins finally breaking the skid, finally breaking the streak, get their first postseason win since 04. Okay. She so had that. Not series win. No, just game. Win. No, it's like, Jason, I was reading Jason Stark's story about it, and he's like just pointing out how, like, we've had longer, he, as he pointed out, we've had longer losing streaks in Major League Baseball, but it was like awful teams who lost Correct. 20 games in a row. He goes, "This was these were good teams losing 20 games, 18 games in a row. Um, but, so you have that, the Twins winning games. won the MVP, right? I think that's right. Um... You had Diamondbacks getting the upset over the Brewers, and it feels like they're now going to knock out the Brewers. Well, uh, they flashed the stat last night. I think it's – now, granted, this format is a small sample size, but this format is heavily skewed to whoever wins game one. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, because now the Diamondbacks have their two best pitchers lined up, and they get game three at home. Yeah, he won um, the MVP in 09. So they've had an MVP winner – They've won the division multiple times. You've got the Phillies winning game one over uh, the Marlins, um, and the Phillies look dangerous. And then uh, the Rangers upset the uh, Rays, and now you got a 99-game winner, the Rays, on the brink playing right now in front of maybe the smallest crowd figure, in postseason history after game one was the smallest postseason crowd. I was also, though, trying to do the math. How much of an upset was that? Well, I mean, the Rangers because the Rangers played in the West. And of, so you they've have also got this guy this guy Evan Carter who they just called up like 3 weeks ago. Yeah. He's just like raking. He like looks like what's his name who played for the Card- what's his name? Freeze. When he David played, Freeze? Yeah, when he came up with the Cardinals that e- year. Easy, there could be some Rangers fans listening that must give him PTSD. <laughs> um all right, so by I am I'm am buying. I'm invested in the Major League Baseball playoffs, especially on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Correct. The problem maybe is, a little. Th- maybe, weeknights especially. Yes. Weeknight. Yeah. Weeknight. Playoff, playoff baseball, baseball is great. It's hard on the weekends. I'm not going to lie. With the football too. Yes. It's hard. Yes, especially when. I mean, I guess if you're a Tigers fan, it's nice to have a bye week. But open uh, date. Excuse me. Self scout week. Listen, this show we go by open week. Hmm. Open date. Open week. Whatever. It's not a bye week. You I, Memphis yeah. chose to not play this weekend. Ultimately. I think I'm, well not. I think you can't schedule more than twelve games. I know, but they can choose when they have their open date. Essentially, when you make the schedule, I still I'm a bi week guy. I know we I know I like to make fun of people that go. It's an open date, not mm-hmm. a bye week. It's bye week. Well, I guess this show does not have an mm-hmm. official stance. Then I mean, I guess the only the only here's the here's where I will accept open week mm-hmm. to, di- to distinguish from. In conversation, the difference between a bye game and a bye week. Okay. Right. B-U-Y versus bye. I see. Um, yeah. So I'm invested in it, but the secondary buy sell so trade. Right, the it's too early for the NBA to start. Uh, I I want to buy all of this. <laughs> <laughs> it does remind you as we're starting this up, like how like it makes so much more sense that for the end, M- like the NBA should probably. Start two months, like a month and a half to two months later than it I does. Mean, think about this. I don't remember when they started changing the. It used to always be like I feel like for us growing up, or at least when we were in college, like high school, college, it always started around Halloween. It was like and ha- that's sort of it's yeah. No, you're right. I do remember. I remember watching some of the yeah. bullets' first games of yes. the season uh, around Halloween. It was always around that. Halloween. Now, so they moved it up two weeks, and then they moved it back. Now, this year, it's like what? The Grizzlies, I think, start the 25th. So it's like closer to Halloween. They moved it back. They, this, this media day this year was a week later than and media I think day. Yeah, the schedule last got moved year. back a week. Yeah. My problem is when basketball starts in October, that's too soon. Mm. The other thing that doesn't make sense to me we have nothing in July. Absolutely. And really, August either. I do not understand why. If you want to preserve August in your NBA, you're right. But it should, the NBA finals should end at least three to three. Like, it should end at the end of July at the earliest. Correct. Yeah. Like, I agree. I get it. You want to have your August vacation. But, like, when you're sitting there building your schedule, well, we have Summer League and all this, like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like, Get us through. All it would do is instead of taking August off, you'd take September or October off. Now I guess is it screwed up because of Olympics and whatnot? Like, yeah, I mean, you couldn't do it this year, yeah. But for like, let's throw that out of the equation. Being an Olympic or whatnot, can we just agree in general? Starting basketball before November feels way too early for basketball. It just doesn't. It doesn't help the sport, like. It just doesn't. Well, I mean, to me, the only argument is it's kind of an implicit acknowledgement of we know the regular season doesn't really matter that much. At the same time, they're trying of they're pushing these measures like the NBA Cup to try and TV, juice it up. TV wants that. I, I I agree with you that I think it it feels too early. Like it feels like there's a reason why it it feels like the NBA season starts around Christmas. Because that's probably when it should start. Right. That's <laughs> like, why I'm saying. I mean, the fact that I'm meeting you, I'm meeting you halfway, NBA, in, in November. Like, yeah, like Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving time. That's I mean, when that's, it should when, start up. that's when I feel like college basketball gets juiced up. It's, yeah. the, it's the Thanksgiving week. Like, you get the big tournaments. Like, that's yeah. when you're like, all right, let's turn the attention. But this idea that we have to preserve August as, like, and then we have to think about – Summer League, I was like, who cares? Move it back. You're still going to be the lead dog in July. Mm-hmm. But I suppose they'll sit there and go, well, we've run all these studies and it's best that we have the finals when we do. And yeah, no, I'm sure TV ratings are better in the beginning of what June than a then I mean, th- how much how much difference though is there than the end of June and then July? Like, well, like July is when people go on vacation. School's People out by then. People go in June, too. I know, but, like, most places, school is not out till the middle of June. Is that true still? I, I think a lot of places... S- the school calendar is also something that is completely thrown off to me. Yeah, I don't know. It And, you know, it's different with public schools and private schools. Like, where I grew up, for instance, the private schools ended around the time Memphis schools end. But, like, public schools ended, like, middle of June. You know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that can change... That changes people's habits and what have you. I, I, you know, the reality is they're not they're not willing to decrease the number of games, and they've determined probably that financially this is the best way to do it. Even if, like, juicing up the ratings at the end of the year in the best way possible is better than whatever bump you might get if you were able if you, you know, essentially did less of the season during football season. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I the, just find that's my, the biggest thing. Like, I've talked to like people with the Grizzlies, people in the NBA about it. Like, the reality is, like NBA teams make their most money, just like any uh, entertainment endeavor, on their weekend games. And if you look at attendance at weekend games across the NBA, it doesn't really get going until football season's over. Like, it, unless, you know, like it doesn't re, you know, you can't, it, it's harder to move. I should say this. It's harder to move the needle until football season's over. I just think about it in these terms. When you, when you consider with the NBA, everyone's had their, their opening of media day and whatnot. Don't you find yourself on, like, take the Harden story. Mm-hmm. Don't you just find yourself going, I don't care. I told you what – I'm I'm, I'm, I'm in the KG camp. You get get one free wiggle. But, like, I just find myself – every story that they're trying to shove down our throat right now, Mm -hmm. I don't care about. And I say this as someone who went to Grizzlies Media Day and left pleasantly surprised and, like, left feeling better about a media day than I have in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. I also found myself going, wait a minute. It, to your point media day was a week later this year yeah and i still felt like wait this is way too early yeah yeah i think it's uh i don't know i don't think it's i don't think it is the best i personally don't think it is the best for the nba but other people don't you think it would be so much better if you were wrapping up the nba like right as you're rolling into college football season yes like, yes think about how that we that was And you said it during the pandemic. The one thing the pandemic did is it's like it made you realize there is a way to make this sports schedule like awesome. Awesome. Correct. It also did make you realize. the. Now Remember, we did say we felt a little overwhelmed by it. They were cramming too much in. But this would be the way to improve the sports calendar. Be a happy medium. And you're not. You're not overwhelming us. You're not, you're not piling too much on. Mm-hmm. The problem that we figured out then was it was the buffet. Like we yeah. did not need the all-you-could eat buffet. Yeah. We we needed we needed a prefix menu. Like, <laughs> give us that. But if you could roll July, August into meaningful basketball, that's way better. And then you roll that right into football. Oh. I still understand why TV never why would TV not want that? You're already taking a hit in July and August anyway. Why not try to boost the ratings that way? I don't know. You got one more? Yeah, I think I got one all more. All right, let's all see. Right. Before we get to cop. Buy, sell. All right, You want to go Grizzlies win total or NFL? Save Grizzlies. All right. Buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. The NFL's overdoing it with Taylor Swift. That's what Travis Kelsey insinuated on his podcast this week. I'm selling this. Mm. And here's why I'm selling this. I I don't buy into this idea that the NFL is pumping this down our throats. I think here's what Kelsey, here's what Travis Kelsey. First said. First off, this continue go. I think it's fun when they show who's at the game. I think it brings a little bit more to the atmosphere. Brings a little bit more to what you're watching. But at the same time, they're overdoing it a little bit. Well, first off, uh, takes one to know one, bro. <laughs> you're overdoing it a lot mm. of bit. Secondly, look at the two games that we've had. One was a blowout, and there was like cuts to Taylor Swift. Did that feel any different to you, though, when Romo was dating Jessica Simpson, and then they would? Yeah, there was a lot of Jessica Simpson then. Now I will say, like Jessica Simpson was not peak of her powers. Jessica Simpson, I agree, but like I'm just thinking about. I never. First off, the game was a freaking blowout. Yeah. That was the most interesting thing. Jason, but on Sunday night, you had a competitive game, and the only complaints we started hearing were Swifties going, more Taylor, more Taylor. It's like, no, there's a competitive game on the field. Jason Kelsey's point was the NBA knows how to deal with it better because they have more celebrities at their games, typically, or at least they're, se- they're Celebrities vis- are seen. I think it's uh, I think they're more visible. Yeah, and like they just, sh- you know, like when you're at a Lakers game, they do one little thing where they go around well, the arena and usually, show them. Oh, they usually sit on the floor. Yeah. And they're in a very highly visible spot. Whereas I think celebrities go to football games pretty regularly. It's just they're all in suites. Yeah, like I know, like for instance, Tom Cruise used to come to a decent amount of Washington, yeah. R-word games. Like with, yeah, you know, at one point, like Snyder was investing. Wasn't well, he? He's financing his movies. Yeah, or something like that. And so, um, yeah, I think that I'm gonna buy that they're overdoing it a little <coughs> bit. But I got I no. I got no problem. With I don't it. think it's the NFL. I think it's the fact that it's Taylor Swift, and it's, most of the overdoing it is on social. Yeah. But if you look at the, and why is that? Because she juices numbers. Yeah. Also, you know who's overdoing it? Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It's a bit overdone. At the same time, I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing this. But my my deal is, I don't think this is an like. I don't think this is coming down from Goodell, like. We are pushing Taylor Swift content. I think she pushes content. Oh, God. If, he, if they're still dating by the next time Raj does a public appearance, he's going to have some corny Taylor Swift joke. Oh, absolutely. He, it's going to be, ugh. My daughter's helped me write this one. He's going he's gonna to, like, yeah. quote a lyric or something. Ugh. ugh. We got to hope. that's That should ugh. be our new goal for this relationship. Just have it be just, over by the next time Goodell is in front of a mic. Let's, let's just have it over for the playoffs. <laughs> oh, you don't want to? You don't want to? Um... Uh, no, I have, I have confidence. I think once the I think this thing goes once she, she once she goes abroad for the next leg of her tour. That's where I, I will say though, uh, McGarry or old Deadspin guy Drew Drew McGarry McGarry, yeah. he's got me a little woke now. What's that? That did you notice? NBC ran like a full two and a half minute commercial break promo for the Ares tour. Oh, the like, movie. Yeah, the movie, movie coming that's out. coming out, like, yeah. that this is, uh, oh, you think, one giant publicity and once stunt. The mo- once the movie's done, yeah. once well, the movie's out. Well, it's like once, once they get through, like, it, it'll it'll fizzle, but. I actually think it is a, gen- it, I think it's a genuine relationship. I also think that it is a very new relationship, and these are two people that love the camera. And they've probably only been with each other a few, like, actually Correct. in person. Correct. A few times yes. at this point. Yeah, but. Um, it's probably difficult to navigate. Listen, honestly. I'm actually fine with it. Anything, that, anything that pushes down Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes' content with the Chiefs, <laughs> I'm all in favor of. I find Taylor a thousand times more palatable than either of them, those two. All right, we'll talk about John Morant's uh, back at practice in the list and uh, talk a little more specifically about the Grizzlies there now that they are uh, – fully engaged in training camp. Uh, But coming up next, David Cobb from CBSSports.com. We'll talk a little college football with him next. You're listening to Giannotto and Jeffrey on
1: 92.9.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. David
0: Cobb writes about college football and college basketball for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at David W Cobb. Cobb, I'll ask you this because I, I was trying to. We put this one on the cutting room floor, but I thought this is interesting. So I was on my I was walking my dog today in between shows, and I don't know why this had never occurred to me, but it probably should have. We've not had a college football playoff title game that did not include at least Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia. Is this a year where we could get a title game that doesn't include those three?
3: There are enough other candidates to where you could handicap the odds at like pretty much even. However, I still love Georgia's path. Like even though Georgia has not been impressive, their path to get to the title game is pretty much clear. I mean, they could slip up in the regular season and still get there even if they uh, won the SEC championship game. So I, I like the dogs, not necessarily because I love the way they're playing, I just, I just think their, their road is, is so easy.
0: I do, but ah, man, the thing for me that I keep wondering is Georgia, like I, I we they're not as explosive on offense as they were last year. But the real big difference to me is is it possible that maybe they just miss all the defensive guys because on defense, I mean, they even let UAB get 21 on them. Auburn runs for 200. Now granted, Auburn couldn't throw it on him like what if they're what if they're not like, so far, like, they haven't lost. They've looked shaky, but, like, what if this is just what they are? They're very good, but they're not, like, Death Star.
3: Yeah, that's that's certainly plausible. I think Hugh Freeze deserves a lot of credit for the game plan he drew up for Auburn to keep that game competitive, uh, to give Auburn a chance in that game. They were running Peyton Thorne in ways that I don't think Georgia anticipated, given how much they'd relied on Ra- Robbie Ashford as the running quarterback early this season. So Georgia was maybe un uh unprepared for that wrinkle, which you know maybe, maybe you, you dock them for that. You're right that the front seven is not as dominant as it was the past two seasons. I mean, there's no Jalen Carter up front for that team anymore. I don't think I don't think we're going to see five defensive players from Georgia taken in the first round of this upcoming NFL draft. So I think they should still be pretty much elite defensively, but maybe they're not like historically great on that side of the ball. I just have a hard time buying that Kentucky goes in there this week and plays smash-mouth, Ray Davis-down-your-throat kind of football like they did against Florida. For one, it's on tape now that they can do that. And two, uh, Georgia's better up front than Florida is and isn't going to allow Ray Davis to bite off these huge chunk plays. So I guess Georgia's been uninspiring. They've been unimpressive Uh, But this is still you know, we saw this against when they played Missouri last season. And, you know, eventually maybe it bites them, but I'm not out on the Bulldogs as a SEC favorite, as a CFP team, uh, just because they haven't been awesome. We're holding them to the standard of the previous two teams, and that is a really, really high standard. So uh, just because this team maybe isn't as good as as those doesn't mean they're not so great. No,
0: I do want to give them credit because – at a game where it felt like it was very much to Auburn's liking, you get the turn Auburn wins the turnover battle. Auburn led for a large portion of the game. I never really felt like Auburn was gonna win the game. Like I you know what I mean, like I, I I resigned myself pretty quickly that they were gonna cover in like the first half. but I still never thought that they were gonna win the game. And so I do credit Georgia there. But on the flip side, one of the other teams that we're talking about, is Alabama starting to figure it out?
3: I think you, I think you can say that because of what they've done defensively since playing Texas. Like Quinn Ewers had some some big plays in that game against Alabama, and uh, Alabama since then has looked really good against the Mississippi schools. And we saw what is tradition,
1: happened. by the way.
3: Right. Yes, it is tradition. Uh, but we saw what Ole Miss can do offensively against LSU in a ridiculous offensive performance. And Mississippi State, I mean, they. Will Rogers threw for almost 500 yards against South Carolina. So I know the Bulldogs are still figuring it out uh, with Kevin Barbet and, and the, the massive overhaul of going for Mike Leach. But the fact is Alabama's defense has been really uh, a lot better the last couple weeks against – competent offenses. And so this Alabama offense is not dynamic. It's not explosive. It's not Tua. It's not Mac Jones. It's not Bryce Young. I don't think it has that potential even. However, the defense is making enough strides to where, you know, look, if they beat Texas A&M on Saturday, I mean, they'd become the clear favorite to win the SEC West. But what if Uh, they
0: don't? Remember where you heard that first, by the way. Remember who didn't hop off the Alabama train?
3: I've been riding. (laughs) I've been
0: riding with good old Nick. Good on you, Mark. Yeah, he's still a good conductor, guys. This was Jalen Milroe's first start last year at home against A and M, and A and M is much better this year. I am very interested to see. They're gonna get this thing in the mud. This is, is it's like this is like Nick Saban's grit and grind team right I think here. The, what do you think? The bigger question is Cobb: Can A and M block Alabama, or can A and M make Milroe beat them with like intermediate passing?
3: Right. So, I mean, I guess the lingering question with A&M, in light of how bad they look defensively against Miami in Week 2, is can that defense and can that secondary hold up against uh, a talented passing game? Yeah. Do, do you consider Alabama's passing game talented? That's very much up for debate. They have quality talent at receiver. Jalen Milro is a good quarterback, but not necessarily someone you regard as an elite thrower of the football. Although I will say the guys completed like 80% of his passes over the last two weeks. So maybe those aren't a a ton of downfield shots or balls traveling 10-plus yards in the air and whatnot, but they're making strides. So I guess that's my biggest curiosity is A&M has become this team that maybe, hey, maybe we counted them out too soon after the Miami loss, Uh, but that narrative could quickly shift back in the other direction if the defense hasn't made the uh, the progress uh, since that Miami loss in week two. So, I've got the under on this game. I got it at like 49. I think last year's game only had 44 points. Two of Texas A&M's four touchdowns uh, last week against Arkansas were via – one of them was via a uh, pick six.
1: And a punt and the return.
3: One, yeah, and a punt return, right. So, Max Johnson has been okay uh, standing in for Connor Wigman, but I don't necessarily think we're in for a high-scoring battle, I'll say that.
0: Uh, so I was looking over at your fine work over at com, David, mm-hmm, and I yeah. noticed, uh, you do the bottom 25 rankings <laughs> for cbssports.com, <laughs> yeah. the worst 25 FBS teams in the country. Uh,
3: I noticed five of Wait, them. But you took over for Fernelli? I did, yeah, a big honor, big honor, yes. Wow, did he, like, knight you? I think Tom ended up doing, like, he actually had, like, more important work to do, so they were like, hey, do you, do you want to do the bottom 25? Um. So, yeah, no, it's, mm. it's a fun little thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I noticed five of the bottom 25 are in the AAC. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is that a problem? They got that QC in the baby. That, now. Is that a problem? Uh, we yeah. were talking about a little bit. I mean, you've got 25 is FAU. So, number w- just to be clear, number one on this list is the worst team in FBS, right? In your mind. That's correct. That's okay. Correct. So, yeah. number one is Nevada right now in terms of the worst. So, Good news for the AAC Nobody in the top 10 of the bottom 25 For the AAC However, number 11 UAB Number 12 ECU Number 13 Charlotte uh, Number 18 Navy And then number 25 FAU
3: Right What's incredible is that Rice is not even in the bottom 25 <laughs> <laughs> God Like so they're not one of the five worst teams in the AAC The league is really bad I mean that, that's just the the truth of it Maybe that's a good thing for Memphis, though, because Memphis has, I mean, I keep saying this, but like Memphis has a chance to win this league, even if this isn't like Mike Norvell, uh, Brady White, peak Memphis offense, right? I mean, they've you know, they they got a, a head coach now who's been through some fires. They're starting to win some of these close games that they weren't winning the last couple of years. Seth Hennigan is a, a veteran season quarterback now. Some of the skilled talent starting to step up, and you know, they're getting the breaks. Like, this is getting the breaks now that they didn't get the last couple seasons. Like, you block that field goal and return that for a touchdown, I mean, you're not going to do that every week, but it's nice to be on the winning side of those types of plays uh, for once. So, yeah, the, the league is so gettable, and it doesn't help the AAC that some of the leftover teams that are still in the league from the previous era, uh, like ECU and like Navy, that have been good at times in the past are, like, really, really bad this year. I mean, ECU in particular, like – I don't know how it got off the rails this far, but, I mean, they've gone from being a, a bowl team the last couple of seasons to looking like a team that might be lucky to win three games.
0: I think the answer with ECU is QB. all the – well, QB, but, like, all their COVID guys. Like, they were – the guys that they kept, they, like – They loaded up on some 24-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, it, it feels like those guys finally left.
3: Could be. I, it, it's, it's not a good league – uh, UTSA has been disappointing. Tulane, obviously, injury bug. The one that probably disappoints me the most out of the AAC is FAU. Like, I thought that Tom Herman coming back into the conference after the success he'd had at Houston, bringing in Casey Thompson, at quarterback, they had a lot of continuity there uh, in terms of production. But we're seeing that maybe that's not a good thing when you have continuity from a bad team. And then, of course, Casey Thompson's now out for the season. So that, that's really put FAU in a, in a tough spot here. Uh, they're one and three, you know, going into league play, and that's could be a long season for the Owls in year one.
0: All right, the big game nationally this week is we've decided it's the, it's still the Red River Shootout. We're yes. not, th- yeah. this this shows official stances. It's the Red River, Red River Shootout. Red River rivalry is too hard to say. Yeah, it's too <laughs> it's too hard. Um, and and I, Red River Showdown just sounds dumb. From what I understand, from what I read, from what I gathered from people who are much better at numbers than me. Whoever wins this game is going to have the best, the highest, I guess, odds, the best odds to make the college football playoff coming out of this game, whoever wins it. Um, how do you handicap? Because it feels like it's the biggest one. We, we, I think we also decided biggest Red River shootout since '09, yeah. probably uh, in I, our I, minds. I went back afterwards. I think, yeah, since Colt McCoy was there.
3: What okay, are you making of this? Yeah, yeah. My my view on this game is that it's more important for Texas than for Oklahoma. Uh, one, Texas is supposed to be back. They're supposed to be pretty far along. They beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Uh, they are legitimately in the college football playoff hunt right now. But if they lose this game, their, their remaining schedule still features uh, a fair share of landmines uh, along the way. Whereas like Oklahoma's schedule, one, they're in year two under Brent Venable. So you know, progress from six and six last year could still look like nine and three or, or ten and two, and that could there could be a loss to Texas involved in that, and you still come away from this season feeling okay. I don't know that there's a way for Texas to come away from this season feeling great if they lose this game against Oklahoma, especially considering how thoroughly they trounced their OU last season. So, you know, I look at, at Texas' schedule, and they still got to play like Texas Tech and Houston and TCU and. Some of these schools that are really going to be chomping at the bit to get their last crack at them. And so, anyway, I, I like Texas to win the game, and I think it's more important for Texas than it is for you. Uh,
0: how do we feel about the fact that Greg Sankey will be at the game? Brett Yormark not going to the game.
3: <laughs> Incredible. That that is that is amazing. The the uh, SEC commissioner in attendance uh, at the Cotton Bowl for this one. But uh, hey, it, it's a league game moving forward, so I guess it makes sense.
0: I do think at the end of the year. I know it's because it, it happened so early in the season. I do want to remember, when Texas beat Alabama and they were chanting SEC at the end of the game, that's one of the most laugh-out-loud funny moments of the year.
3: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, but you've got to back it up now. You can't go in and, and lose this game because then all of a sudden all that goodwill that you built up, it, it goes out the window. But I, I think there's a, a decent chance that we end up with a rematch uh, of this game. And I don't say that because I love Oklahoma, but even if Texas beats Oklahoma – the Sooners still have a pretty good path to make the, uh, the Big 12 championship game, so be on the lookout for that. This may be meeting one of two between these teams this season. Who else do you even feel good about in the Big 12? I guess Kansas State? Yeah, I never, never, never sleep on K-State, but I just pulled up the standings, and outside of OU in Texas, <laughs> the only team that does not have a conference loss other than those two right now, is West Virginia. How about that? The Mountaineers who everybody left for dead and everybody had fired Neil Brown and they started with a clunker against Penn State. They've quietly won four games in a row and uh you know, no, so I don't feel great about WVU, but it's fascinating Yeah, cuz they, they also are... got
0: like their entire secondary like carted off on Saturday.
3: Yes, that was that was wild. Uh gosh, that, Saturday was rough in terms of some of those injuries. Yeah, no I mean honestly, nobody else do i really feel great about in that league uh there's some bad football being played in the big 12 as well this season what do you make of lsu right now yeah they're they're a chaos team for sure uh, i still think they have a shot to win the west as crazy as that may seem uh they've got one league loss right because the florida state loss it, it feels like you know kind of makes it feel like the sky has fallen or makes it feel like the uh there's nothing in front of this team left to play for, but. uh you only got one league loss at this point. They won the SEC West last season at six and two in the league, and there's still a path for them to do that again uh, this season. Uh, so I'm not totally out on the Tigers necessarily, uh, but obviously that defense has some some serious issues, especially in the secondary. And I mean, no more than maybe 20, 25 minutes ago, I, y'all might have seen this. It came out that that safety for them, uh, Greg Brooks, he's got like actual you know brain cancer of some yeah. sort. And uh, so, so kind of a, a sad situation there. and uh, their, their secondary as a whole has just been really, really disappointing.
0: How big of a game is this for Eli Drinkwitz? You get him at home, you get Ellis, it's the Battle of the Tigers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I
2: can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.